0: This is Fayette Forward, where we discuss trails, transit, city planning, and anything else that's on our minds.
1: Our goal is to keep Fayetteville moving forward in a positive, inclusive, and intentional way that benefits everyone who lives in this great city in the Ozarks. You ready? Come on in. Welcome to Fayette Forward. I'm Meredith Kasten, and I'm here with my husband, Nick. And we're excited to welcome two people we very much admire, and we're so grateful to have them on the show. Matt Mahalovich is Active Transportation Manager for the City of Fayetteville, and Dane Eifling is the Mobility Coordinator. Would you all mind telling us a bit about yourselves, starting with Matt?
2: Sure. Hi. Thanks for having us today. I've been with the City of Fayetteville now for 18 years. I've had the pleasure of working on most of the trail system that we have today and look forward to continuing and expanding our network of trails and active transportation network.
1: Great. Dane?
2: Yeah. Hi. Thanks for
3: having us both on. I am the Mobility Coordinator for the City of Fayetteville. Prior to that, I was the Bike and Pedestrian Programs Coordinator for the city and the University of Arkansas, and came on with the city through an Energy Corps, which is part of AmeriCorps service term back in 2014, so I've been doing this the better part of a decade. I also do part-time in the Navy Reserves, so I'm uh, in, engaged with that uh, part-time, and so that takes some of my time. I'm also a, a father and a Fayetteville native uh, grew up here, and um, just proud to be doing the work that I'm doing in my hometown.
2: And Matt, are you a native as well? I actually grew up in Springfield, Missouri. I came oh, nice. to University of Arkansas back in 96, and uh, went to University of Arkansas and studied landscape architecture. Went away to Tulsa when I first got out of school in 2001, uh, and worked in for a company that specifically designed trails. And so I really was able to cut my teeth there, and get some good education there. And I uh, had the opportunity to come back to Fayetteville, though, and been here since. So well, I consider myself almost a native. Yeah, because you're, I've you're been basically... here so long. <laughs> <laughs> no, how long have you both been on the Act Transportation Committee? The whole time, yeah. It used to be called the Sidewalk and Trails Task Force. Yeah, maybe we should have you tell us a
1: little bit about that because Uh, I don't know if people know what it is. Yeah.
2: Are you both founding members then? I am the second trails Mm -hmm. was was called Trails Coordinator now Active Transportation Manager, but I'm the second one the city's had. So there was one before that did run the Sidewalk and Trails Task Force, but they weren't (laughs) met (laughs) Metrelovic.
1: That's right. That's That's my name. That's right.
2: (laughs) So, what have you?
0: seen from when you started till now you know obviously there's been a progression of Fayetteville and an acceptance of trails and transit and these things these active transportation modes i would be curious to hear from both of you what your experiences are historically from then to now i mean obviously a lot has happened and we'll get more into some of the details of that but just in general broad
2: sweeping terms what has changed when i started there was really just adopted the Fayetteville alternative transportation and Trails Plan, which was called the Fat Plan, <laughs> <laughs> which is always ironic. Um, but that uh, was adopted in 2003, originally, uh, And at that time, Mayor Cootie and the council really had a vision to get tra- trails going. There really wasn't a lot going on. We had portions of the Mud Creek Trail built there by Front Street. And that, that was pretty much all that we had. And so they really wanted to get it going and uh, started with the piece of, of what's now the Ramble between Center and Prairie. We called the Center Prairie Trail at that time, but that was one of the first pieces built. That was before they got creative with the names. Yeah, we got a little (laughs) better with our naming. From there, really what happened, what was most instrumental is in 2005, the city council created our trail crew, our trail construction crew. That's an in-house trail construction crew of nine people through our transportation, now our public works department. And they have been instrumental in building our system, our network, both efficiently in time and money. We're able to really do it efficiently and streamline the process of getting trails on the ground. You also have partnerships with companies like Craft and & Toll and things like that as like an addendum to that? At, at times, certain projects mm-hmm. may need to bring in a consultant uh, Okay. Craft like & Toll, for example. Mission Boulevard was right. designed by Craft & oh, Toll. Okay. So we will bring in consultant help. Um, I'm a landscape architect. I design most of the trails nice. myself. Cool, um, but sometimes it's it a little bit more involved, especially along a, a state highway and right. dealing with a lot of infrastructure um, challenges. That it's better to have when we have storm drainage and all of those things included to go ahead and have an engineer consultant. Nice assist. So
0: yeah, that's great that you can do all of it in house or sort of the vast majority. I mean that's pretty cool and probably a lot of fun for you.
2: But has it progressed faster than you expected? It, it was ambitious at the very beginning. We, we were like, we're going to do five miles every year. And then it was like, oh, we really can't do five miles a year. But two to three miles of trails a year is attainable. And now we're seeing it really incorporated into all of the street improvement projects, too. Whereas we're not going to build a street that doesn't accommodate all modes of transportation. And we've learned that the the best way to accommodate bikes and pedestrians is to separate them from vehicles. And so we're going to be seeing more side paths, trails adjacent to and buffered from the vehicles and so now that you know that really increases our miles of our network when it's also as road projects are occurring we're getting those trails and the other trails that were focused on our master plan.
1: I definitely want to talk with y'all about the master plan shortly but we mentioned it earlier and didn't really get into it do you all mind sharing maybe Dean you can talk about what the active transportation committee is and how it came to be and what your role is being city representatives.
3: Sure. Yeah, and just piggyback on what Matt was talking about, the secret to Fayetteville's success really is Matt <laughs> having somebody with that passion sure. and the know-how to implement these plans. You know, anybody can just staff a position or whatever, but if you have in the right person in that role, you know, Matt's been able to get more done with less than anybody you could ever hope to get in that spot. Can we clone him? that's pretty obvious. I don't know. Well, he does have kids. <laughs> maybe you got to recruit a, him into family, the business. Maybe a family business yeah. kind yeah. of <laughs> thing. But yeah, for the Actor Transportation Advisory Committee, ATAC as we call it, it's a citizen group. There are certain roles on the committee that are designated such as bicycle advocate or ADA advocate. We have a parks representative on the committee and we meet monthly to review projects and we have a police report at the top of every meeting, which is kind of the worst part of the meeting where we review crashes. And so those reports come in monthly and just about every month we at least have a few crashes that we want to talk about and look at ways that we can prevent those or what may be some root causes of those incidents. Then the the rest of the meeting we're usually talking about trail projects being updated Matt usually has great photos of all the progress that they're making, same with our sidewalk cruise programs. And, and we do look for formal recommendations on bigger projects or planning efforts. And that's an advisory committee to the transportation committee, which is a subset of city council. And so formal recommendations will come out of that uh, committee to g- help guide the transportation committee's decision, which uh, has a little bit more weight.
1: Great. Thank you. That's super helpful. And I think for anybody listening, if you're interested in this type of thing, once in a while, you'll hear an announcement. It's usually in fable flyer or announced by the city government, but these positions open for some of these citizen advocacy slots, right?
3: Yeah. And the meetings are public and mm-hmm. we take public comment on every single item that's on the agenda. And some of the most influential people that we've had in those meetings aren't even on the committee. They're just there and you know, have like, was an Albert Einstein said 90% of life is just showing up. <laughs> yep. 90% of being effective in any kind of civic engagement is just showing up. And it's hybrid. So you can show up via Zoom and raise your hand and get your voice heard.
1: Thank you for saying that. And I want to take this moment to say, I'm sorry, I didn't go to the last meeting. I was in Oklahoma. Nick had some excuse. I forget what it was. But anyway, hey, we, we get
3: paid to go to the meetings. Yeah. Y'all don't. So <laughs> We no, do try to go. Don't apologize.
1: Yeah, I love it, though. I find it super fascinating. So if you find this podcast fascinating, you'll probably find the meetings fascinating. I encourage y'all to go in either via Zoom or in person. It's super welcoming and friendly every time we've been.
2: Meredith, I just wanted to mention all the meetings are filmed also, and they're all available on our website. Ooh. Nice. So if you want to go watch an older one or anything, okay, can Always go back and, and and see that database. That's awesome. My
1: weekend is spoken for. Thank <laughs> you. Yes.
0: I want to go back real quick, Dane, just to hear your history of just how you've seen things change, not just in the terms of since this committee has been formed, but just over the last I don't know thirty years or so.
3: So I grew up in a split household. My dad's house was out on Mount Kessler, mm-hmm. and I got a mountain bike when I was oh twelve or thirteen years old, and I would go, you know, air quotes here, mountain biking <laughs> on Mount Kessler on ATV trails mm. and that were intended for dirt bikes, like motor, you know, motorcycles and, and ATVs. And I would ride a mountain bike out there and these trails would just go straight up the sides of hills. No switchbacks or anything <laughs> like that. And I was thinking, boy, mountain bar- biking really is hard. And, you know, <laughs> and it was extremely difficult. And I, that's what I thought mountain biking was. And my mom's house is in town and we had some single speed bikes and, well, and, you know, no sidewalks or anything like that on a little street called Janice, which is between Dean and Garland there. And she would tell me, just ride your bike on this on our street only. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) And so I'd ride up and down the street there. And then every once in a while, I might ride down the convenience store when she wasn't, you know, she wasn't aware. But then growing up, I was trying to ride a bike from home to the Fayetteville High School or from uh, my house to my job at Washington Regional, and riding a bike around town at that time was horrible. And I didn't really know how horrible it was, but trying to ride a bike down College Avenue. And I thought that was what biking was and uh, dealing with rednecks, throwing stuff at you and things like that. And (laughs) when I moved away for the Navy uh, after high school, when I came back to Fayetteville to visit, uh, there were these trails and I was like, what is this? And this was circa 2000. Five, two 2006, 2007, like that kind of age. And, you know, it was like, they're building trails right through the middle of town. And everybody was just so freaked out. I didn't, it didn't compute for me. Yeah. It didn't, it did not compute, didn't make any sense. But I would keep coming back to Fayetteville to visit. And every time I'd come back, there'd be new trails. It would have been extended or it would go a little further or things like that. And I was interested in that. But it wasn't really until I got out of the Navy, went to school, in the Bay Area, I went to San Francisco State, and majored in geography, and I got into these urban planning and transportation, and people were writing theses on bicycling and things like that. I thought that was kind of funny at first until I got into it and got my mind brainwashed into thinking of that. (laughs) And so I got it in my head, oh, well, I should do my research papers on Fayetteville, what's going on in Fayetteville. And that's how I actually met Matt for the first time was I interviewed him for my senior writing project yeah. and he helped me and i was just really interested we kind of stayed in touch and that was how i ended up getting a job at the city was just through that connection there but going forward all the way to now what people are experiences as, as mountain biking in Fayetteville for example versus what i was experiencing and what it's like to ride a bike in town compared to what i was experiencing 20 plus years ago it's night and day night and day
0: that's great. And it sounds like, you know, your initial reaction you had mentioned was that when you first heard about trails cutting through the, the city, you were like, what is this? It's almost like a negative reaction of like, why are they doing this? Right. Or was it positive? I just wondering if it, if it changed your perspective when you started talk, talking to Magic Matt over here.
3: Yeah, because I was well, I was in the Navy and I would have been 20 years old. Yeah. And so it was just kind of a not it didn't really affect me because it was really something that I would just see intermittently when I would come home to visit. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until later where I started to connect the yeah. the infrastructure with the vision, with my own experiences yeah. and to go, oh, this is going to be so great
0: if we can keep it going. And I think that's a good point to, to focus on in that sense that I think some of the resistance that people have is just they're just not familiar with how it might benefit them or their children or their families or just life in general. And I think that kind of change of like oh now it affects me we have to find ways i think to get people engaged in what we're doing and understand the the benefits because every time you you know a new trail is announced there's always people in the comments or people are like this is crazy you're misappropriating funds whatever it is and i think it's like just because they don't use it or they don't understand the value of it, it they have an inherent negative reaction and i'm hoping we can change that hopefully with more awareness and I don't know. It's just, it's nice to see how that connected for you. And I hope that does it for more people as well.
1: Definitely. Would y'all mind describing the active transportation plan for people who aren't familiar with the plan and how it guides the decisions that you make as more trails are built?
3: So the active, so the active transportation plan was one of the first projects that I worked on when I started with that energy core position. And it was a great learning experience for me because I was just fresh out of college. I'd never worked on a, a planning project, but uh, it was an, intended to be an update to the plan that Matt mentioned earlier, which is the, the Fayetteville Active Transportation and Trails Plan, the FAT plan, <laughs> which was 2003. And so that was 11 years old at the time we wrote the first ATP, just the Active Transportation Plan, because it, and it was um, more focused on all modes of transportation, including on-street infrastructure, bike lanes, um, just in setting mode share goals, those kinds of things that was more transportation focused, whereas the FAT plan was really a Trails Master Plan Mm -hmm. for the most part. And um, we did do an update on that plan just last year and uh, officially adopted it at the beginning of this year. So there's an update and that's really helpful because so much has changed, even just every 10 years, so much has changed in best practices and what the Census Bureau is collecting and what we can report on, what we really should move toward. And it's focused on that all ages and abilities principle of designing streets and infrastructure that that everybody will use, not just the brave, uh, bold cyclists or uh, runners or things like that, that we want people that are at eight to 80 age range.
1: How does that plan evolve? You've mentioned that it's changed and it's evolved. How does the process work? Is it purely internal or do you guys seek community input or some combination?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to add on that. The plan, which is pretty unique, I think, is we were able to do that in-house as well. You know, speaking of the in-house construction and because of Dane, he was able to do both of them in the update on his own pretty much. But that public input, certainly a a large factor. The original that plan was community meetings and magic markers drawing these trail corridors, um, which were following streams. I mean, so that's kind of a natural, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in a hilly community like we have. Um, But that really did lay out the the framework or the foundation for our trail system back in that from the public, you know, getting to, to draw on maps. And that plan was unique also because it really didn't sit on a shelf. It was a plan that was implemented because of our crew and having positions like mine and Dane's now. Um, So yeah, it's it's always been evolving with that public input as we build more trail corridors. And we also have, you wanna talk a little bit about the matrix of prioritization, so.
0: Yeah, how do things get, this is actually a general thing I was curious about, and we can talk about this in context of the whole process of envisioning planning creating a trail from beginning to end. I think a lot of people would be curious to know how that works because I think people don't have an understanding fully of all that goes into this Mm -hmm. and the decisions that are made. And some people think it's haphazard and it's really not at all haphazard. It's very thought out. So I'd like to learn more about that and also what you just said.
3: Yeah, I think what's probably more important than the active transportation plan is our master transportation plan, which in. Our current environment is our mobility plan, which was 2018. And that really sets the tone and sets the direction for the city and how money's going to get spent and what our minimum standards are and those things. And that plan, I love it. I think everybody should uh, be familiar with it that lives in Fayetteville because it really lays out the vision and the public input was overwhelmingly in favor of bike, walk, alternatives, give us ways to get around town that are not just strictly a car. And it became a mandate for the city staff and for the bond initiative that followed that up with, okay, now we've got this plan. We've got this public input. Well, let's see if we can get a quarter billion dollars to implement it. And we did. And so much of that money is going towards street and trail and alternative transportation. And that's been a huge game changer. That's what really at a macro level, sets the tone and gives us the funding and the directive to move forward, say it forward.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's going to be on our Earth trailer. trailer. <laughs> That's great. I love yeah. that. And Matt, could could you just tell us a little more about the whole trail creation process in this context?
2: Sure. Yeah. So we have the master plan, like we mm-hmm. mentioned. So we've got a line on a map and then we use a prioritization matrix that bases on, on like to schools, transit, it takes into a lot of things of equity also included and kind of scores basically scores a trail and so our focus is those higher scoring trails that are more connected and in in, in in general density you know density's always been our big one you know we have these student housing student apartment complexes mm-hmm. and we've been pretty effective of getting trails connected to them I'm going to use Neocosca Creek Trail as an example it's one of my favorites that one actually was in the pipeline to get built for 10 years. Um, wow. And so I actually worked with some property owners. So that's really one of the biggest elements that was a little bit unseen uh, behind the scenes kind of, is, is working with all those property owners. And Neocoska Creek Trail uh, has, has several properties and going through backyards of, of many properties. Even though there's a stream there, the, the property lines still go all the way down Are used to. And so working with those property owners, I one in particular, I, it was early on, 10 years, and they were like, oh, yeah, we agree. And I, I think my daughter would like to have a lemonade stand on here on the trail. And so 10 years later, I was talking to him you know, more recently. He's like, well, she's in college now. She's not really <laughs> interested in having. <laughs> but someone a else's stand. child could yes. have a lemonade, and stand. Actually, a lemonade. I went by stand. on, on and Monday and on Old, Old Wire, and there was a lemonade stand. Oh, perfect. I bought some yeah. lemonade. So, so that process does take time you know, in designing. And then Creek crossings, bridges are extremely involved in design because we have to make sure we aren't creating any kind of flood conditions upstream, that we aren't backing up the water. So that has to be a full study. Uh, And then um, doing the bridges. um, But overall, property owners, they get it more now. Like in the earlier days, like we are talking about, it's like, what? A trail? Like, what is this? And is that going to bring people to my house and take things or something like that? So it it got easier as people like, oh, I know what this is going to be. This is going to be a community amenity. And we actually see that property values do increase with proximity to the trail. So that helps with some of that. But we do pay, you know, pay for the properties and make sure we get everybody taken care of as needed fences, vegetation, whatever they need. And then we can get to it laying out the alignment and uh, we'll just get the easements and then stake them out in the field and then. Basically, with our in house crew, a lot of times I'm just like, stay between the stakes, you know, (laughs) and they can have some artistic freedoms to get it. And they they know so well how to build it now because they've been doing it so long as far as ADA and all of the requirements of design, um, of of construction, of how to build it. Uh, Another thing is over 10 years ago, we went to all concrete with our trails, and that's really going to serve us well in the future. Uh, We did find early on, we were all asphalt. It was faster to get it down, but we are ha- having longitudinal cracking and a lot of just de- degradation of the asphalt. So we're going forward having to be, you know, concrete trails. And, uh, if we do have problems, we can pick out a pat, you know, one panel and replace that and going to be a service that's, that mostly is going to last at least a hundred years, I would expect. So that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> we've always undercut all of the soil and, and built a, a strong foundation, like a road, really they're built like roads. Um, yeah, it, because we do need to be, Get service vehicles out there, tree trimming, anything, even concrete trucks. At times, we need to be able to get there if we need to replace a panel or something like that. So they're really built to last, too.
1: Yeah. No, that just brought me to the idea. I see a lot of skaters, and I'm I like to roller skate on the trails, and it's so much nicer on the concrete than the asphalt. It's just a world of difference. So it's exciting to see more sections getting
3: asked about saw cut joints. Saw
1: cut joints. this (laughs) sounds exciting.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so part of that is whenever you're finishing the concrete, is it can be, you know, like, bum, bum, bump bum, bump, 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 yep. bump uh-huh. if it's too much of a tool joint or an expansion joint. So we take, mostly we can saw cut where we can. a saw cut's going to be real tight, really saw, yep. tight joint. That's roller skate that's smooth friendly. Roller skate friendly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then if not, when we have to have expansion joints, we'll go ahead and fill it with caulking so that, you know, it creates that smooth surface. Yeah, right. No, no detail is too small. I Matt.
1: love it. It's important. Honestly, he's it. Yeah,
0: and we appreciate it because we use the trails all the time, and we sing their praises to everyone we can. So we really appreciate what both of you do, mm-hmm. and just I hope you keep building and building. And to that point, I know there's a plan for every house within a quarter mile of the trail to be connected to the trail system in Fayetteville at some point. And I was wondering, in, in that context, we have the kind of north-south greenway and some other north-south routes, and now it's kind of cutting east-west is a lot of this work, it seems like, right? Getting these east-west neighborhood connectors.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the official goal is uh, trail within a half mile of every residence. I was getting a little eager, a little <laughs> eager. Uh, <laughs> Which we changed to 10-minute walk right. or And three-minute bike ride. Yeah, So we actually changed that from, yeah, 10-minute walk or two-minute bike ride. Okay, And so on our previous edition of the ATP, we were just looking at that kind of as the crow flies distance, mm. but with our updated GIS technology, we were able to do a true walk shed. So like if you lived at the end of a cul-de-sac mm. and the trail was a quarter mile away, but the, your walk was actually a mile, let's say, because it, cause you had to go down and around all the way around in order to get there, we, weren't, we were not going to count that because that proximity does not equal access if you're on the wrong side of a, a barrier. And so we're able to get it down to that level. And when we draw a new line on the GIS map, that shed will populate and we'll see who we're getting missing. And so that's, yeah, that's that's an important differentiating factor. And I think when we go and we're evaluating those um, trail projects, we will be looking at, okay, well, how many more people do we actually serve when we build that? You know, it's population density is a really great thing to look at, but how do we maybe maximize our investment and make sure that we're getting people more real access that they can use, not just close to the trail.
0: I really appreciate that because yeah. that's what actually matters. You know, It's one of those things where if there's lip service that a, a government does and says, we're going to do this and it doesn't match realities on the ground, which is what you're talking mm-hmm. about with actual commute. People get really upset and they think you're lying to them, whatever. So I really appreciate that You're actually looking into the reality of what someone's experience is on a day-to-day basis, and that's part of why we love Fayetteville and you guys.
3: Yeah, and I think it gets away a little bit from the kind of knee-jerk, well, how many miles of trail are we going to build this year? Mm -hmm. We could build five miles. We could build one mile, but it's how many more people are we going to serve with our network? And that could be accomplished with fewer miles of trail, but just more meaningful, valuable pieces.
1: Do you see that as one of the visions for what you guys do? Is it something where you want to see more people getting around using the trails instead of using roads, ideally? Because we're, we're growing quickly. This area is exploding. We could turn into a snarl of traffic jams if we're not careful. It really seems to both of us that there's a lot of focus on trying to get people to use these trails as transportation, to commute to work, to get around, to go see friends, to go to Dixon,
2: yeah, absolutely. That I mean, that was the original plan all along. It was Fayetteville active tra- or Alternative Transportation Plan. I mean, we've always had that eye on transportation to, you know, and I always tell people, you know, it might not be for everybody, but that, you know, that car that's not in front of you in traffic is on because they're on the trail. And so it benefits everybody.
1: Oh, for sure. And well, I'm curious, how does this interplay? You mentioned that it's part of the mobility plan. So how does that work with public transportation? with other forms of getting your bike around in inclement weather maybe. Do you guys have any thoughts on what that would look like for someone to get around using purely public transportation, active transportation?
3: I think what people really want is options. Mm-hmm. They want freedom to choose whatever it is. You know, That's why we have 50 different salad dressings in the grocery store. They, the people like choices, and they like transportation choices. So they don't want to be locked into just one choice. Um, a lot of people in Fayetteville and other places, they don't have choice, whether it's because they live on a street or in a location that's super car dependent and they can only that that's their only option, or maybe they can't afford a car and they are limited in what they can do and where they can go. And so that's why having the trails and having good sidewalks and having good transit and having you know road infrastructure that works and is not completely jammed up with traffic gives you those mobility options and so i think at the rate that we're growing it's more important than ever for us to be getting these projects done now rather than when it's too late
0: is there a like a concerted effort to connect trails to places where you can pick up bus or some other mode of transit so that way you and do a multimodal kind of journey. That's
3: part of the scoring matrix. Ooh. Yeah, transit is a piece of that when we're evaluating sidewalk and trail projects. Nice.
0: And
2: all transit, Razorback and Ozark Regional Transit have bike racks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and we've heard good things about that. We haven't used that just used... for our own bikes, but others have yeah, told us. Yeah,
1: we've used it just to get around, but we've never done the kind of combining a bike ride with it. And that's that's something that I really want to try out and just experience it. Well, question, okay, we've looked at that, the active transportation plan, and we've seen some study areas such as the Sublet Creek one. Do you all mind sharing what's involved with something that's a study area versus something that's actually planned to take place? I think it's like a yellow dotted line, maybe.
2: So um, during the last uh, update of the active transportation map, which was separate from the plan that was just updated, so the map part of it, um, we had a group of neighbors over by Mission and North Street, Lake Lucille, um, near the Brooks Hummel Nature Preserve area, that is city-owned property for public use. They were concerned about the trail that's been on the master plan since it was originally created. With that public input, those people drawing those lines on those maps saw that this is a corridor that is really fairly flat in an otherwise very steep part of town with North Street, Ash, Walnut, if you need, I'm sure you've been up that. Very steep. Very steep area. This is actually an area where the trail can be ADA accessible. We we can actually meet grades of ADA accessibility and go through and open up this park. So it's an important connection on the master plan. These neighbors basically, you know, really didn't want the trail. So instead of taking it completely off the master plan, which was a decision that could have been made. Uh, the mayor certainly didn't support that in the council so we created this study area so that's what the study area is we're looking at um, alternative alignments potentially but um, uh, the reality is that because of the topography because how steep it is there that this is the location that's going to be the best for a trail and so in the future whenever Fayetteville's ready um, I believe it'll happen in the history of of Fayetteville, it's, mm-hmm. it's just it's not quite its time right now.
1: Yeah,
2: um, we we can uh, finish the Mission Boulevard Trail and and get that connectivity there, and then also the Midtown Trail uh, is the other element of that particular project, which is the Sublet Creek Trail. Um, but the Sublet Creek Trail will connect from Mission and North over to Woodland Junior High, where it'll hook in with the Midtown Corridor and go all the way to the Greenway. So, and then a new signal will be included in College Avenue at Poplar. And that's part of the 71B corridor plans. So we'll see the signal. So it's going to kind of happen incrementally, mm-hmm. but I believe it's a very important trail for the future. And so I'm really pleased that it's still on the master plan. It just has a study area and we're going to have to work through. Sure. We're happy it's still on there too.
1: We are too. I was going to say we're ready. I think a lot of people are probably ready. So what, from your perspective, is a good way for people who feel very supportive of something that might be a bit controversial and maybe there's a loud minority who are opposing something, but then a silent majority who are really excited about it, what would be the best way for those of us who do support this kind of initiative to not only voice our support, but also maybe make suggestions to kind of mitigate some of the concerns that the people who are against it might have?
2: And, you know, in general, just making sure your city council representatives are aware that you feel that this is an important trail connection. I will say that we have so many other projects that we're working on uh, that is, is just, like I said, it's not really the time for it right now. Sure. So um, because we've got a finished mission and we've got a, the five-year plan of, of other trails. So once we finish those Midtown and Mission, it's going to become more of a the, the missing link. And I think that'll help get support. And people will realize, like, what if I could go from here to there? Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: We've it's, noticed. Yeah, yeah, that's a really – and it's beautiful. It would be so nice to be able to access that kind of area. On your bike, take a peaceful walk through there. It's yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah,
0: it is really pretty. Speaking of the Mission Trail, I know that's been delayed for a bit for getting all the the dot I's dotted and T's crossed, but that is moving forward. Do you have an updated timeline on that?
2: Yeah, actually, July fifth, we're going to start
0: breaking ground, and that's going to be at Old Wire and Mission. Is that the starting point?
2: Yeah, between Old Wire and North Street. Okay, but we're kind of doing. We're starting with the storm sewer, and there's a a drain storm drain going under the road about halfway right by mission hills and that's where we're gonna start so, and we're gonna do some road widening to shift lanes. So yeah it's you'll see it can started. The road work signs are up. I don't know and, if you noticed and, 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 and while that's going are
0: there are still going to be ways to get through there on a bike?
2: Yeah that's something I've had a lot of conversations with. Um we have to do it safely and, and get this built. But the goal will be at all times to have at least a gravel Nice path, uh, maybe just a sidewalk with like what we have now, but a way to get through without having to get on the road.
0: Well, we we use that route all the time, so we're really excited about it. It's my commute route. Oh yeah, and it's
1: a scare. It's kind of scary sometimes. I was saying before we started recording, I rode that route to get here today, and it was a little terrifying when someone just blasted right down north, right onto Mission, and didn't look. So we're really looking forward to the safety improvements. As an anxious woman, I'm just going to feel so much safer on my bike or walking that route. So we appreciate it.
2: Yeah, we're really excited about that. So kind of the missing link and yeah. all that we've done with the Neocoska and Old Wire Cycle Track. And it's going to create about a 12 and a half mile loop trail That's we're going to be calling the Parkside Loop. Nice. Because it goes through five, I think, different parts. What's the logo? It's going to be a tree. That That makes perfect sense. <laughs> Yes, I love it. I love it.
1: Well, I have a really quick question. You had mentioned a lemonade stand along that corridor, and I just want to manifest for a second how cool it would be to have a drink option along that side of the trail. We see that City Park is going in on the west side, and oh man, I get so thirsty on Neocasca and weather like this. So, can we all just manifest for a second that there might be a food or drink option along there one day?
0: It could happen. I
2: don't think you have direct control over that right
1: it's a manifesting moment it's true yeah we're just well asking. and that's the
2: nice thing about the trail network as we get you know so heavily used it, it can be an economic development tool for mm-hmm. if you build it they will come and yes. we've certainly seen that and so like city park for example other things i mean all, all throughout the corridor fossil cove i mean there's all these great establishments that the trail i think really helps with their business
0: and I think some people, it's the same thing when you sometimes you'll build something new and people say, well, no one's really using that route. It's like, why are you putting these resources here? But then, like you said, it creates demand. People suddenly are like, well, now I have an option. So I think it's getting past that initial public res- resistance to like, well, we don't need it there. It's like, well, you don't need it here yet. But the city's growing. We need new routes. This is how you prevent places like, I don't know, some places in Texas that have really bad traffic and sprawl. Austin. <laughs> yeah so yeah we don't want to necessarily fall victim to the same traffic patterns that
3: austin fell victim to so mm-hmm. hopefully this is going to help with that the idea that you're describing very well is the first page in fayville's mobility plan where it talks about induced demand yes and that's a principle that i think anybody that's thinking about transportation needs to understand that when you widen a road you induce more traffic mm-hmm. and when you build a trail you induce more biking and walking just by building it. You change people's behavior. And that's what we're trying to do.
1: Oh, yeah. We watched a video on that earlier today about the negative sides of highway induced demand. It was by um, City Nerd. No, not City Nerd this time. It was the Oh, the Urbanity. We, we follow all these different <laughs> kind of nerdy. I hadn't heard of that one yet. Oh, they're that's, great. That's a great title. Oh, yeah. I love it. And it was a great video. We'll have to link to it in the show notes. But I love the idea of having the counterpoint of induced demand to the trails, because I totally am in agreement with that. If you build it, they will come concept. We've seen it. I mean, we've seen it in action. You've seen it in action since day one.
0: Sometimes the response to when we build trails, people will come out of the woodwork and say, well, no, we should be adding lanes to the highway or to the roads. And you're like, I mean, there are other ways to solve traffic problems, alternative Mm -hmm. modes of transit not just active transportation, but better buses and trains and whatever else we can come up with. But it doesn't have to just all be wide in every street because that's not going to help us in the long run in the way that people think. But we're preaching to the choir here. So. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's more that we're just letting people know we're going to put some great resources down yeah. there to learn more about induced demand because yeah. it's fascinating.
0: So what are some of the challenges and rewards of the work you do?
2: I'll start with the, the, the positive, I guess. But I mean, just seeing all of the happy people using the system and the network and families and just really transformative to be able to have the stability to get around safely and comfortably. Challenges there are always a lot of challenges. Probably one of the biggest challenges which we've made progress with which was just it's working with the state Department of Transportation on their corridors, mm-hmm. which Mission Boulevard yep. is one of them. Right. And then even just with their improvements in the past, road improvements like Highway 265, for example, where the states, they wanted the DOTs, RDOTs wanting to include bikes, but they they don't always know exactly. And it has evolved over time, what is that facility like? But it isn't a white stripe with cars going 60 miles an hour next to you. They need another Matt Maholovich on their team to know what to do. Yeah, more cloning. Yeah,
0: this is gonna turn into a how do we clone (laughs) conversation.
1: (laughs) Or how do you get the right education that you need? That would be a good question. I mean, how does somebody who's maybe not gone to college yet or wants a second career, how do they get into the space?
2: I think a lot of times engineers maybe aren't as, you know, taught or informed on how the the human element and and all the different options um, involved with the design, especially when they're pretty focused on moving cars and trucks efficiently, which that's part of it. And that's very important, you know, so I don't want to get wrong on that. But when you have a, a street or highway, there's also going to be pedestrians and bikes. You can't be like, okay, well, we're just going to pretend like they are going to be there.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and that's what's happened historically. Now we've made a lot of progress, and that's what I wanted to say uh, specifically about dot Is now their standard is going to be a side path instead of the painted that's stripes. Big so, progress. Yeah. That's huge. Huge.
0: And this is all of Arkansas. Huh. Wow. Oh. And do you think that's influenced specifically by Fayetteville and by I, your... in, in northwest Arkansas? That's awesome! I love
2: that. Yes,
0: and hopefully that helps other cities in Arkansas grow their networks. Yeah,
2: and it have a. a, a a safer more comfortable facility that will actually get used i mean so like crossover example i always use is like how many bikes have you ever seen on there
1: yes
2: oh yeah i saw one one time
1: mm-hmm.
2: and did they look comfortable no. no i've ridden on the
0: sidewalk there just yeah. to you know but, but you want it's to be still on the sidewalk. not scary it's uh-huh. still not, not scary. Yeah. ideal yeah
2: and so we hope to be able to in the future and it's on the master plan is to widen that sidewalk and you'll see as developments are occurring along crossover we're yep. going in and having them do it so th- there will be pieces and then we can stitch it together And that's something else that's really been beneficial as we have the master plan. When developments come along, we know we're like, oh, you're building on this trail network and Mm -hmm. we can require them to build that portion. Now, it may not be all connected. Like the Shiloh Trail on the west side of the interstate is a good example of where we have a lot of pieces of trail that we will be able to come back and stitch it together.
0: I think this is an important point because I think sometimes some people will see the trails to nowhere and they're like, well, they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. No, it's a plan. It's just that you can't do it all at once. There's funding issues, timing issues, all the things. And yeah. speaking of that, when crossing 49, is, is that going to happen at some point? And, and what's the timeline on that?
2: Yeah, we've worked really hard to have trails across all of our overpasses or underpasses yep. of 49, which we will have. All of them will have it. So the the next ones is the MLK. Either we'll have a path under it on the south side. Nice. And then 15th Street is being extended over 49. As part of that project, and it'll also have a trail across the bridge, and so we have it. Really, that's going to be all of them. We have it. Nice. uh, we will have it on all of them because that's such a barrier. Yeah. And so every one of those to have a a trail bridge or underpass. Um,
0: If budget wasn't an issue, if public opinion (laughs) wasn't really an issue, like if you could just say, like, I want to do this dream project in Fayetteville. And it may not even be something that you could ever achieve, but it would be something you could really see making Fayetteville better. Do you have any kind of just pie-in-the-sky things that just make you go, wow, this would be so cool? And maybe they're almost possible?
2: I've thought about a bridge or tunnel crossing North Street for the Razorback Greenway. Oh, yes. Because we do have the signal, and it works fine. We, I mean, we have had very little or none safety issues there, but mm-hmm. it would be really nice to be able to cross separated there just cruise right under north street is one of our big east west connectors lighting the rest of the trails that's always kind of the icing on the cake a lot of times even though we've we've got a lot of it we still don't have a lot of our trails that have lighting on them Mm -hmm. and really the midtown corridor with dean and sycamore is going to be that that dream project in a way i don't know if you agree dane but that that's going to be really help You were mentioning the east-west connectivity. Well, we have the same issues with our trail system as we do with our street network, and is one of the best flat corridors, and and connecting so many people and schools and and, and everything. So, yeah, that I'm super excited about it.
3: That's Uh, basically designed. So, I mean, the public comment. We're starting in July. Oh, nice. Good for all intents and purposes. Done. That's awesome. Yeah, I love
2: that.
1: Yeah, July is going to be a big trail month. Big trail month. Get ready for starting. I mean, it's going to take a year, but. Yeah, I'm excited. Um in that vein, okay, so we all want to keep the trails clean, accessible and safe for everybody. So sometimes when we're riding, we will see some trash, we'll see or we'll see some plants this time of year with all the rain and summer hanging into the trail. Do y'all have a perspective on how we can best be good stewards of these trails? Do we need to be riding around with clippers in our pockets? Do we need to... We've talked
0: about doing that. Yeah. You're certainly welcome to.
1: Okay. Okay, good. Because sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I should. I don't know if this is frowned upon. Okay. All right. So ride with clippers in your pockets. Try not to stab your butt. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe
2: in your basket or your
1: (laughs) piggyback.
3: Yeah. I think one big problem is invasive plants. Mm Yes. And honeysuckle, privet, you name it. And our parks department has a volunteer... Coordinator, and we'll do invasive removals mostly in the winter. Mm -hmm. But I would encourage anyone to just get aware of Mm -hmm. what those plants are and what they look like and what they're doing to our habitat and do what we can. We've done some really great invasive species removal projects along the Razorback Greenway and along other trails, and it just makes such a difference. You can see the creek, you Mm -hmm. can see um, what's what's three feet off of the trail all of a sudden and it just changes the whole perspective it makes it much more beautiful much more sustainable environment so and safe i would say yeah Mm -hmm. and um and allows us to get that trash out and things like that that end up getting hidden there so the invasive plants are probably our worst enemy when it comes to maintaining the trails beauty and safety Speaking of safety, um,
0: I know that certain parts of the trail, some people have personal safety concerns occasionally, whatever it may be. I think some on the south side of the trail, things like that. I've heard that there's been more trail patrols added or there's a plan to do that. Do you know a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, at our active transportation advisory committee meetings, the police usually give updates. We had a a really great full-time dedicated trail beat that was established uh, we, um, through COVID and other things with staffing in the labor market in general has been really tough. And so those positions were not filled for a time. We do have trail patrol back currently. And last time I was on the trail, I saw a side-by-side we saw patrol, mm-hmm. and we think that's great. And we're seeing some great progress with just uh, added Police presence on the trails. I think that's appropriate, especially in in the south part of town that's been getting cleaned up a lot. But it goes back to those invasive plants. To me, to <laughs> mm-hmm. a certain extent, that if we can get if we, you know out of sight, out of mind. But yes. if we can get all those invasive plants out of there, that's going to really help the safety and the
2: perception. I wanted to kind of give a shout out to the new programs called the Pick Me Up program.
1: Yes, we've heard of that. That's uh, been we've very heard.
2: helpful. Where some of the unsheltered residents are hired, you know, paid by the city to pick up along the trails, pick up trash. And then so it kind of helps also instill that in, incentive to to keep it cleaner and maybe talk to their friends that and say, hey, you know, let's not trash this up. I've got to pick it up. And
0: Has that been working? Yeah, that's very good. successful. Oh, that's and that's, we've got a,
2: a great coordinator there, Heather. It's just doing a tremendous job.
0: I love that idea, though, of actually like paying people that mm-hmm. are already in those areas to basically beautify their own environment where they are. And I think it does give maybe a little more pride of, keeping it clean and exactly make a little money and
2: it's kind of instills that pride
0: yeah well is there anything that you wanted to bring up in this whole context that we haven't talked about that you think is important for the general public or people that are fans of active transportation to know about
3: yeah i mean one a big part of what i do is is help with our micro mobility programs with uh e-scooters e-bikes uh those things and and that's been a big change in Fayetteville over the last five years is the introduction of shared micro mobility through our bike share that's progressed into scooter share and and so forth. And that's grown and it's only become more popular. It is an issue. It is something that comes up as a complaint mostly to do with parking, but also user behavior. And it's not perfect, uh, but we have about a half a million rides a year on those. And our data shows that about a third of those are replacing transportation trips. So that goes back to the issue of Giving people options Mm -hmm. and the e scooters, love them or hate them, they are an option for people that need to get from point A to point B that maybe don't have a car or it's too far to walk, you name it. And so we're pro e scooter, but we're also pro good behavior and good parking. And and we work really hard to stay on top of the companies who have been great partners in trying to address those issues. And so for anybody listening that's in Fayetteville, if you do see a parking issue or anything to do with that, we always steer people to our C Click Fix app and, and website to re- report those. That's the best way to do it. It's really easy to use, and the complaint instead of going onto a Facebook page goes directly into a work order where it can get addressed, and there and it will get signed off, followed up, and. The scooters usually are moved within a matter of sometimes minutes because it it goes straight to the scooter companies and they're always out there sweeping. So it's just one. I just rode past one of those
1: sweeping vans on the way over here. And Mm -hmm. incidentally, we typically will just move them. When we see them in the way, we'll just get off our bikes or if we're walking, just move them. Is that okay, or is it preferable to call the company? It's super helpful for you to do
3: that. But the thing is that is good about the about reporting it is that we can give a nasty gram to the user, Uh, and we can if they're repeat offenders, they'll get fines or they'll get kicked off the system if they can't get it into a reasonable parking place. And so when you move it, it's kind of absolving them of responsibility.
1: Well, quick question on the topic of these micro mobility programs. I know people, most people I've talked to love them, but the main drawback is that they are not very affordable. So if you wanted to say introduce that into your daily commute. Is there any talk with maybe getting monthly subscriptions or working with the city? Yeah.
3: So assistance. SPIN and VO have a low income option. Oh, good. It's called Access. And so if you go onto their websites or call out customer support and say that you want to sign up for the SPIN Access, it's just a low income. Anybody that's like a U of A student that's on Pell Grants or anybody, it's really easy to qualify for. Thresholds are not very high. But the discounts are significant. So for VO, they waive the unlock fee. So it's normally a dollar to unlock the scooter just before you even start paying the per minute, and that's just free on VO. And on Spin, uh, they they reduce their unlock fee, and then I believe it goes down to seven cents a minute, down from like thirty-three cents a minute. So it's it's dramatic discount and uh, once you get that associated with your account it's all it just stays with your account so you don't have to keep going through hoops to do mm-hmm. that it's just a more affordable option so yes yeah, spin and vo access that's
1: wonderful that i didn't really know that cool was an enough. option I appreciate yeah. that and the idea I, i'm kind of harping on it now but the idea of i think a monthly subscription even for people who maybe don't qualify if there's any way to work with like the city or... they do
3: yeah. have uh weekly passes that you yeah. can buy okay great and those are great those are great but they're it's i think it's like thir- it's will be like 13 bucks a week for the week and you can ride i don't know if it's ride all you want but they do offer subscription models mostly those are i think intended for tourists that sure. are in town for a weekend and you just wanted to get like a three-day pass uh and we've toyed with like I think it, one time VIA was offering a program where you could lease a scooter mm-hmm. for like for a college student. You wanted to have your own scooter for mm-hmm. a semester. So that kind of like a leasing model. So they've done some innovative things, cool. but it's it seems to always gravitate back towards that unlock fee and permanent yes. charge. Got it.
1: I think because I love to manifest and dream about things like this. But the concept of having, I think, that monthly membership where either an individual's workplace could subsidize that and say well you know we don't have to pay for parking for you to come downtown and park here maybe we'll pay for you to have like a monthly subscription to Vo or spin i keep coming up with these ideas of how to not have traffic and how to prevent all of these traffic snarls. so maybe we can just kind of while we manifest the lemonade stand on the Neocasca trail we'll manifest some monthly subscriptions
0: Matt, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to bring up as well?
2: Yeah, briefly, just want to kind of mention as we're going forward, something that's happening regionally is a, a real focus on safety and for Vision Zero. Yes. So, regionally, we have a, a safety action plan, comprehensive plan, and Vision Zero resolution for a goal of by 2030 that we would have no serious injuries or fatalities that's in great. our transportation system, the, 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 whole, the whole thing, not just the, the trails or. The, so we're looking at, at all elements of how the transportation system functions and with safety as, as the main priority. And, and so that that's just looking forward how, how we're going to be going forward. Gonna
0: nice. Be. That's wonderful. Yeah. What is one simple thing everyone in Fayetteville can do today to make it a better city? We'll start with Matt.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, it's, it, Fayetteville's always been, I feel like, very community-oriented. And so that, that's helped in so many ways with the public input side of any of the infrastructure that we're doing uh, and, and continuing to use and enjoy and appreciate it, I think would be um, the, the main things and, and things little things like helping to clean up the trash and just really you know, keeping our city looking great and even trimming the, the vegetation if that's available. It, it, it helps us. You know, we, we have limited resources and, and this expansive system that we've created and it, every little bit helps.
3: How about you, Dane? I would say that for, if, yeah, if I could have every resident do one thing today or any day would just be to, if you can, if at all possible, take a walk in your own neighborhood where you live and interact with your fellow fellow villains to let them you know, see you, interact with them in their front yard those kinds of things, and just to build those relationships with the people that live in your neighborhood. And I think the best way to do that is get out, walk your dog, ride your bike, do those things where you live. Love it. Okay, one last thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. We always like to ask our guests if they have an organization or cause or group that they want to shout out and call attention to that either supports what you you guys do in your work or just, you know, you like them.
2: Yeah, I would do peace at home. They're a nonprofit shelter for women, especially that have had domestic violence situations and so they can have a safe place to go. They're currently working on building a pet sanctuary in honor of Candy Clark and so that they can also bring their pets with them, you know, when they're going to get away from that bad situation that they were in. They also provide legal advice and how to get out of that bad situation. So,
1: That's fantastic. Thank you.
3: Yeah. My mom used to volunteer for what was, I guess, just a women's shelter, but it's the it's the same organization. That's great. Oh, Pedal It Forward. Sure. Pedal yeah. Pedal Forward does great work uh, upcycling abandoned or underused bicycles and getting them into the hands of people that will use them. They've given away hundreds of bicycles to the international students at the University of Arkansas. And yeah, we just we love the work they do.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate you spending the time with us. And we really think our listeners are going to enjoy what you had to say. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing everything. guys.